I'm gonna trick former guest Ben into making us a theme song. That's it. Okay. Better, closer, warmer. Uh, all modern art is communistic. I want to be the first man to nut in space. Fuck you. Fuck off. Where are we finding it? Why can't we Better, find it? Closer, Why do you guys warmer. keep saying all this change? We're playing Fortnite. Let's have fun. We need to get to that post-World War II mentality where Better, closer, no one in the warmer. world is going to Twitch and typing in climate first. Don't tweet us about how our stuff's inaccurate. At this point, I don't think the N-word tape would change anything. The piss tape might. From New Orleans to New York. It's the Illinois Podcast, baby. Dude, that was TNT. Welcome to the Illennials Podcast. I'm Smith. I'm Seth. So, Seth, it is the eve of the election. Do you have any last-minute predictions? Eve of the day of our reckoning. <laughs> no matter what happens, mm-hmm. there will there some some reckon is going to happen. I think. I almost wanted to say, no matter what happens, there will be a president. But I'm not sure about that anymore. Yeah, literally right before I was looking on my phone, right before we started recording, and I saw that a lot of states are um, going to go go ahead and preemptively declare a state of emergency and have the National Guard deployed tomorrow during ele- during at the polls and during Election Day. And I'm like, normal shit. Yeah, just regular, you know, just because everyone who is running is completely sane and normal and uh, is going to handle all the situations with dignity. That sounds a lot like what happens in countries where we've had the CIA working for a couple of years. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Uh, it's strange, and it's like, we're just like, and the, thing, the thing is, everyone online is like, well, of course. Of course you gotta do that. I mean, have you seen this, these mm-hmm. people? I'm like, yeah, but shouldn't we, like, aim to not have that be what we need? Right. We used to not have to do this, you know. Um, but yeah, it is, once again... No matter who wins, it is looking like it's going to be a very strange week. It's going to lead to very strange months. It's going to lead to very strange years. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think my prediction, last minute, I'm going to call the shot right now, is uh, Biden wins. Wow. Yeah, I think I think Biden wins. I'm not going to say the margin because it could be, I mean, who knows? Biden could fucking lose, for all I know. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if you look at if you look at the numbers, You're saving the margin for I your bookie, even, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't trust the numbers at all. But no. let's just say they're correct. Let's just say they are. Yeah. Then it might be Biden with an embarrassingly large blowout victory. Uh, but it could be Trump could steal it or something. You know, who knows? Yeah, that's the thing is, people like there's just there's just discourse going on that's like. Oh, a lot of the polls are saying Biden wins. It's like, okay, well, yeah, the polls in 2016 say Clinton wins. It's like, yes, but all the people who did the polls have now readjusted their algorithm, so now they're, they should be more accurate. And I'm like, okay, well, we won't know that they're more accurate until this happens. So Yeah, and can the algorithm that they created over the last four years, can it, can it account for the coronavirus effect? That's like, true. Can, like, it's can like, what, what do we even know? Because, Seth, you early voted, right? Yep. And so they're talking about, like, uh, oh, man, the Democrats are so far ahead in early voting. And it's like, okay, but the, it's a culture war issue, right? So, of course, Democrats voted early, and Republicans will be there all day on the day. Yeah. Like, he t- this is what, what Trump said to do. I think that the popular vote should be live. We should be able to track it on mm-hmm. our phones and see exactly how many votes are in. And we can, uh-huh. the people who are voting can just start, like, watch it sway back and forth as they go. Yeah. I think that would be pretty fun. 
Yeah, I think we should probably have a situation where uh, every uh, thousandth voter, we actually see who they voted for. <laughs> That's right. We violate the secret ballot for every thousandth one. And you better fucking hope you ain't there. And when they get their I voted secret, it shows who you voted for. And it's actually a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. You can't even take it off for three months. Exactly. So we all we're, we all aware. Um, um, but yeah, I think that, I think that it's going to be fucking crazy, dude, no matter what happens, because here's the thing though. I just feel like something in the background radiation of the universe, the vibrations feel weird to me and it feels like it's going to be real strange. Yes. It's exactly the feeling I'm getting just from the conversations I've had with people and just how I feel just when I'm outside and I'm, I'm thinking about the election, I'm just like. It's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's, a, there's just a weird feeling um, that I get about this whole thing. Um, and I'm also wondering um, what this whole... Because, you know, Trump has openly said, he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to relinquish the presidency even if I lose. So I'm like, what does that look like? And, like, what yeah. is that going to lead us to in the next couple months? I think Trump talks a big game. But if he actually does, like, lose resoundingly, like, a five- or six-point margin, he will just, he'll yeah. just fuck I mean, and I'm, I'm sitting here, like, if I'm Donald Trump, you literally win no matter what. If you win, then you're the president still. And if you don't, mm. then you get to go back, you get to tweet even more, and you get to have people who are supporting you before just glom onto all those opinions again and just, and just shit-talk all the Democrats and all the liberals and all that. And that'll just be your thing. Um, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no matter, there's just, like, no losing for this man right now. I mean, he'll be on TV every oh. single day getting called. He'll probably stuff. get a new show. It'll it'll be it'll be all Trump all the time. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. People think, though, uh, you vote the bad man out, and it all disappears. And it's yeah. like... It's like, no, that's how, well, that's no. how it works with a lot of presidents. You don't hear about them almost ever again when they're out, but I'm not sure that's going to happen this time. Yeah, that's true. Who was our last one-term president? Was it a uh, Bush Senior? Bush Senior. Wasn't yeah. It? He got voted out. Yeah, by by Clinton. Yeah. But I feel like that the, back then, God, that was what thirty goddamn years ago. Now it's a whole. That was a whole different world back then. Yeah. Like, but Trump is not even part of that same politician like species. Like he loses an election, his ass will be all over the news. He'll be on tweet, Twitter. He'll be everywhere. Yeah. So I don't think he go, I don't think he goes anywhere. Um. So I, I got some more um, camp like political text messages today that I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about in a minute. But I did want to point oh, out man. real quick that um, something very surprising happened over the weekend on on Halloween night. The every America's favorite show, Saturday Night Live, came on. Um, the mm-hmm. and as we all know, the the company line at SNL is lib. Vote lib. Mm-hmm. Biden Harris is our ticket, basically. Um, and they had John Mulaney as the host, and anytime John Mulaney is the host, it's the best episode of the season, which isn't saying much, but still, it's always great because he's just one of the funniest fuckers in the whole world. He's just a hilarious guy. And in his monologue, he got surprisingly honest about the election. He, he, he yeah. made a joke saying it's the elderly, elderly man contest. You thought, choose your elderly man or whatever, which is funny, obviously. But then he was, he was like, and then just out of nowhere, he blows the top off. He's like, but no matter who wins this election... Nothing is going to change. Poor people are still going to be dead in the streets, and people are going to have medical debt that's going to pile up and kill them throughout their lives. And I'm like, God yeah. damn, John Mulaney, you're on SNL. You can't say that. Yeah, That was a pretty wild thing to say. Because John Mulaney, one of those hilarious guys, like I said, ever, one of my favorite comedians, 
not very political, but he just fuck he just opened the floodgates right there. He was like, yeah, this election is not gonna mean much in the grand scheme of things, so don't count on it changing your life. Yeah, and it's literally ten seconds out of a, out of a ten minute you know monologue, but you would have thought by the reaction on Twitter that he had like spent the entire. You would have thought it was like, like Bill Burr said. Bill Burr talked about his thing for like three or four minutes and people got mad. Mm-hmm. He literally just made a, a quick comment in a, in a 10 minute monologue and people are going after him so hard. Yeah. I thought he like betrayed them or whatever. Cause you know, John Mulaney was a Bernie guy in the primaries. Yeah. And so he were like, Oh, he's, you know, just anti, he's just salty. Cause you know, uh, Bernie lost. And it's like, no, he's no just- you can't betray a side you were never on. Like That's just not how it works. Right, and it's just like you can't, uh, he's just telling the truth, you know, and it's like Biden himself has said it, nothing will fundamentally change. Yeah. I mean, he said it himself, so what more do you want than that, yeah. you know? I have a couple of things to talk and, about. Go ahead. I was like, libs get very mad when you pull that quote they out do. and, and point it at them. They hate that. Yeah, they, they, there's a lot of people who are thinking that, like, things are going to drastically change as soon as he gets in office, and it's just not going to happen. But... Political text messages. I still get them. Yes. I early voted. I've, I've been out of the game for weeks now, but I still get these. And a lot of them are like, I think because I used to live in Georgia, a lot of them are like funded through Georgia. They're about like how John Ostoff is terrible. I'll read one of those. But I'll read the first one I got today. And it says, Seth, they, they know my name, of course. They're like, tomorrow you can choose. You can choose between freedom and Democrat total control. And then they give me a, they give me a little, a couple ultimatums. Prosperity or socialism? Law and order or anarchy? Liberty or big government? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm liking it so far. And then they're like, where are you going to be at the polls tomorrow? And they give me a website. The website, by the way, finding where to vote, is called notlib.com. <laughs> it's called what? Notlib. Not, like, literally not Notlib.com. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> and obviously, I don't think Democrats are going to do it. And, I mean, these are just computers. Nobody cares. But I did respond with, I love socialism, anarchy, and big government. (laughs) (laughs) And then, oh my, dude, fresh off the presses, I just got one. Oh, boy. Um, Hi, Seth. Our vote is power. Let's flex and show how powerful we are together. Can we count on you to remind three friends to vote blue this Tuesday, November 3rd? Um, How are you getting them from both sides of the political spectrum? Oh, dude, the John Ostoff ones. I wish I would save more of them. I, I deleted so many the other day. They're all like, um, I have one right here, but they're the, all the ones I get normally. There's like always like a video attached to it. This poorly edited, and it like has like like day of John Ostoff looking like Homelander from the boys. Like he has like laser <laughs> eyes, and they're like yep. he takes money from George Soros and China, and he's fucking he he's gonna uh, impose socialist law on all of Georgia. I don't have any of those, but I do have this one that says Seth John Ossoff wants to colon ban guns used for hunting, recreational shooting, and self defense. Impose dangerous waiting periods on law abiding Georgians who want to purchase a gun for self defense, and propose a plan to close military bases that would cost Georgia twenty six thousand jobs. Uh-huh. And I responded with, "Good for him." <laughs> Here's the thing. It's so weird to hear, to hear you say that out loud, like, yeah. in the way you just read it. 
Because how fucked are we as a country when we think or when we say that self-defense is the reason why you should have a gun? Like, is that not like 100% failed state shit? Yeah, that's crazy. And I, I wish I would have saved this one, but I have, I have, I got another one. I got this one three separate times. It's also from Georgia, and it, it starts out like like they're telling me a story. It's like Seth, I grew up hunting my entire life. My family, generationally, we have hunted, and it's been a, it's been a, a great family pastime. And socialist John Ossoff wants to take my gun away and kill my grandpa. But guess what? We don't have to let him. God damn. And I'm just like, I, I, it's just so funny. Um, that that's that's how they're targeting me specifically. Like, I mean, you're wasting your time targeting me with either of the political parties. Only Joe, only right. Joe Jorgensen gets my vote. It's I actually got a political text the oh, first time finally. this entire... Uh, mine, however, are not as cool as yours. Yeah. Uh, mine just says, Hi, Smith. It's Barbara with the Friends of Bernie Sanders. Hey. Re- yeah. Reverend Raphael Warnock is running for U.S. Senate in Georgia to protect voting rights, expand Medicare and Medicaid, make our economy work for all of us, not just the wealthy few. Eh. Can, you ca- can we count on your vote to elect Raphael Warnock to the Senate? And I was like, no, I'm not going to vote. And they said, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> You're not even voting for state stuff. No, I vote for vote for shit. Okay, I, I voted. I voted mostly to vote for state stuff. Like if there were ballot initiatives I wanted to vote for, maybe. But I looked at the ballot and there's nothing on there I care yeah. about. There's like there's like again there are seven like Republicans running unopposed in, in our in like various offices. Yeah. So it just feels useless. What are I don't even know like I don't keep up with it. What are John Ossoff's chances right now? Like is he a leader? He is actually ahead of uh, of David, David Perdue. Because yeah. I'll say this: I watched the debate between him and David Perdue. The first one, he declined to do a second one. Perdue did. He got fucking wrecked. Like Joan Osoff ran over that motherfucker yeah. in that debate. Like it was extremely funny. He may be like he's a got laser bit, eyes. Like, like of course he's gonna run yeah. over you, dude. Like people forget, John Ossoff was the first Pete Buttchug. He was this white Obama clone that failed, took him back <laughs> to the pasture and shot him, and made another one after he failed the first time. So he talks like if you watch him talk, he talks like Obama. Yeah. He has the exact Obama cadence, and uh, but he fucking ran train on on David Perdue. That was pretty funny to watch. And right now he's at forty eight percent. And Purdue is at 46. Okay. And the thing is, you have to get 50 in Georgia as a Senate race or it goes to a runoff. Mm. And the reason that uh, that Ossoff isn't at 50 is that there's a guy named Lieberman running who's also running as a Democrat. has 2% of the vote. Literally just a Republican running as a Democrat to spoil John Ossoff's chances. Yeah. So, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but, yeah. So, another piece of um, political news... Oh, I will say one thing before we go on. John, John Ossoff, I give him a lot of shit. I think he's a weird little freak with a strange face <laughs> and a, a bad body. But I don't want to look at anymore. But after his suck fest run in twenty like seventeen for the special election for the Senate, he came back a few times. I saw him on Twitter saying some shit about how America needs to respect Latin American sovereignty and stay out of their countries, like like cheering on Bolivia when they have their elections and stuff like that, and and pushing back against that whole stuff. So I'll give him credit. At least on foreign policy, John Ossoff does have some good ideas. Like, you will very rarely find people who will talk about the shit we've done in, in Latin America, so I'll give him credit. Especially in Georgia. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty, who cares? I mean, who even cares here, pretty, right? Like, Pretty rare. Um, but yeah, another another 
intersection I've seen between uh, an interest of mine and the election is the NBA. We talk about it a lot on this mm-hmm. podcast because of me. Um, so the NBA is, I would say, on the surface, it, it presents itself as maybe the most progressive of sports leagues, I would say. A lot of the people, a lot of the very famous superstars are very open about their political beliefs. They do a lot of you know fundraising, all that stuff. They're, they're very open about that stuff. Um, however, that does not mean that the team owners share those same sentiments. And, uh, um, apparently in a recent interview with an NBA journalist, a team owner who, surprise, surprise, decided to remain anonymous, had quoted him, quoted, said, I'm funneling as much money as I can privately into getting Trump reelected because Joe Biden's tax plan is going to be bad for all of us. And I just can't, I cannot, uh, pay these prices basically. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this man, I cannot imagine what they thought when Bernie Sanders was still in the race. What what was this man doing if he thinks that Biden's plan is going to kill him? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, existential panic, yeah. I guess. And, like, and, he even, and then even in the interview, he was like, yeah, and all the other NBA owners do the same thing. We're all funding like so much money into Donald Trump getting reelected. And I'm like, I mean, first of all, put your name on it. Don't don't just say that and try and get away with it clean because I mean not that I think any NBA owner is you know a cool person at the end of the day, but mm-hmm. put your name on it like don't don't be unnamed. And second of all, my God, I cannot believe they are this scared of a nothing tax plan. Yeah, they won't even pay it. They'll they'll, they'll offshore their money in some way to avoid it in the first place. So yeah. I don't know what the fuck they're they're even worried about here. Yeah, it's really weird, and, yeah, I just, I mean, what, I know, and fucking, pe- people are like, oh my god, if you make over $400,000 a year in New York, you're gonna pay this, and I'm like, how many of you make $400,000 a year in New York? Tell right, me. Yeah. 50 Cent was on Instagram, and I was like, vote for Trump, I don't want to pay this money, and I'm like, 50 Cent, that's good for you, but all of your followers don't make near that much money. And never will. No. So shut the no. fuck up. It's like, you know, to go back to <clears throat> SNL for a second, they had like Ice Cube, like in a Trump hat or whatever, yeah. in one of their skits. And it's like, no, dude, he tried to talk Democrats first. They told him to get to piss up a rope, so he went to the other side. Of course he would. I mean, why not? We can't criticize him for that. Well, it may, it may it may not it may not work out well for him in the end, but I mean, fuck it. If you don't talk to him, what's he going to do? Yeah, I mean, you can't criticize him for being a nation of Islam person and being and anti oh, yeah. uh, openly anti-Semitic. Um, well, we're talking so, about his this 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 incident right here. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. And the same thing just happened recently with Lil Wayne and a bunch. Of, it's just mm-hmm. like um, I don't know why the Democrats are like not open to having these conversations and I feel like those are kind of home runs for you guys. Um, but it is just incredibly strange that, um, not, I shouldn't say hip hop, but certain weird sectors of hip hop are siding with Trump all of a sudden. It reminds me of how during the, uh, the peace talks after world war one, Ho Chi Minh came to, uh, to Woodrow Wilson to ask for help with getting independence from France and write a constitution for his country that's based on America's constitution, and which wasn't going to get fucked. And so Ho Chi Minh went and talked to Lenin instead, and uh, that's how I got the Vietnam War, you know, forty years yeah. later. So uh, it reminds me of that. If you don't talk to your, if you don't, if you don't at least like talk to people and try and help them, they will go to the other side and 
it leaves situations like this. Yeah. And yeah, I just want to know. I want to know what's what's going on. Like, why would you not just talk to them? It seems like the easiest easiest home run for you guys. I'm sure that somebody was like, "Oh man, if we talk to if we talk to Ice Cube, they'll bring up you know NWA or whatever, and then what the you know fuck the police will come up and I'll be like, how do you justify talking to this guy? You oh know? yeah, and that's and but that's the thing. I 100 percent am sure that if the Democrats said that, the Republicans would immediately they would probably bring up his Nation of Islam stuff. Not that they care about it, but they would just be like, oh look at this guy, he's fucking yeah. yeah I can't believe they would side with him. And they know that the, the Republicans will get a clear victory because the Democrats will never bring it up. They'll never talk Nation of Islam. They'll never talk about the police. Yeah. None of that shit will come up. Ever. Exactly. If I'm Bernie Sanders, I would be fucking... I would start playing Among Us on Twitch with a bunch of streamers, and I'd be the entire time I would be saying, look at who, like, this Nation of Islam, look at this, look at this. Don't, don't, like, pay attention, please. Yeah. Um, because why not? By the way, so th- speaking of the NBA, I just saw today that at a rally, Donald Trump, I think in Florida... He had the crowd chanting, LeBron James sucks. <laughs> How petty can you be? <laughs> I mean, it is Donald Trump. He can be pretty fucking it's petty. Like, it's like, what What does what does LeBron James do to him directly? Like, I, I, I mean, LeBron James is just a Democrat who tells you to vote for Democrats. I mean. What has he done? What is the, I, I know that recently they had the whole China thing come up where they won. What's going on now? What's he doing? Like anything? Is he saying anything publicly? Not really. I know just last week he, him and Obama, LeBron James and Obama teamed up to do some like outreach to like get voters for the election, which I mean, I guess maybe that's the most recent thing he's done, but even then I wouldn't say that's a major thing. I just think that, I mean, I just think that in in the past, LeBron James has said mean stuff about Donald Trump, you know, not even like, not mean, just like, I don't like the guy. He shouldn't be president. Criticism. Yeah. Right. Just like, not, not even like scathing, just like, I don't, I don't think he should be president. He's, he's bad. And, uh, and just Donald Trump just can't take the, of a person who is as successful and as wealthy as LeBron James would, uh, hate him, I guess. Yeah. I guess so. I saw Eminem endorsed Obama or not Obama. <laughs> well, Obama. yeah, you're right. He, he, well, he true. endorsed Obama. True. Uh, and then also Nine Inch Nails told people to vote for for Biden as well. Well, hey man, strange strange shit happening over there. Yeah. Um, um, you imagine listening to those early two thousands Eminem records and him being like, "Man, you know what? You should vote for Joe Biden for president." <laughs> First of all, I'd have been like, "Who's Joe Biden?" Yeah. This is two thousand and two. Yeah. And then also I've been like, well, you do hate George W. Bush, so I guess you, got, I guess we got that. But still, yeah, he, I mean, he's <laughs> never, he's always hated Republicans. But like, a man, imagine a man just as as aggressive and as talented as Eminem, just being like, and has all this like pent up anger, just being like, yeah, Biden, that's my boy. It's really weird. I guess he's a lot older now. Okay. Well, what got me earlier, what, I laughed so hard at this. So we all know that Bradley Whitford is an incredibly huge lib, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why they cast him and Get Out, I'm sure. I, he said he didn't know it was a joke. That's so crazy. Oh, yeah, I read that. Was He didn't know that was the funny part. Look, do you think that Jordan Peele knew that that's who he actually was, like, before he cast him? I don't know if he knew, but, I mean, if he didn't, that's a happy accident because it, it, it worked. Well, someone posted a video of Barack Obama, and I'll give him credit here. He did sink a three, a pretty nasty three. Nice. Just like fucking crossed over easily. Bradley Whitford, threw it over him. No, Bradley Whitford commented on the tweet and said, deposited directly into the spank bank. Damn. 
learning a lot about Mr. Whitford tonight. Mr. Whitford is masturbating to Obama making three pointers. That's got to be the weirdest, most specific kink you can have. There's not that many videos. What a strange thing to to have said. Like, he has to know what spank back means. He has to know what he's talking about. So I mean, you I imagine know. he has to. Like, what? being being the man he is, he has to know this stuff. Yeah, it's just Obama's running around the mask on that just says vote on it. Can't even put on one that says Joe Biden or something. It's got to be vote, you know. Yeah, we've talked about it's it so weird. for almost a month at this point. The whole, the, the word vote with no intention around it means nothing. Um, yeah. You're just telling people to vote. And of course people are, people are like, oh no, I just, I just want everyone to vote. I just want to have everyone's voice heard. And it's like, no, you fucking don't. You want people who vote for what you want to vote for to vote. You don't even lie. Don't be pretentious about it, you know? Right. Can't, don't lie to me here. You specifically want a certain person voting. <clears throat> and if they could disenfranchise all of us people out here in the sticks, they absolutely would. Oh, yeah. They, they'd do they it. They would. If they had clothes on those polling places, they absolutely would. But I saw a thing just a minute ago that's very interesting. So in New York... Governor Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. We all know New York, very very democratic yeah. state. Very I'm boring, walking right? here. Yeah. Trying to get a cheese pizza over here. A chopped cheese sandwich. Um. <laughs> I'm taking the fucking subway. I'm going to subway. <laughs> um, so Andrew Cuomo was, uh, you know, he's a, uh, a Democrat. He's the governor of, uh, of New York. And pretty democratic state, but there's a lot of Republicans out in the sticks, you know. Like yeah. in, once you leave New York City proper, you get a lot of red. Yeah, upstate New York like is kind of similar to Georgia. Like it's 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 it re- re- weirdly similar. Four wheelers and guns and shit you know, everywhere. So, but it recently came out that Cuomo is behind a sudden a ton of money being funneled into Republican races across the state. He's directing money to them. And you know why he's trying to get Republicans elected in his own state, Seth? Why? As a Democrat? Because he doesn't want the Democratic legislature to be able to override his vetoes. Mm. He wants to have enough Republicans so that they won't o- override his shit that he says. So that's how insane our system is. So he's like, he's trying to like Game of Thrones his way into being super powerful. Yeah, because like the legislature is, is to the left of Cuomo. Yeah. So he wants to shoot down anything they might try and pass... And he doesn't want a veto-proof majority against him. Because I, I guess he's just evil. <laughs> I have no explanation for it. He's just an evil dude. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was talking to a person who's um, from New York about that. and Not about that specifically, but he thinks that... This person, just a person from New York, he's like, a lot of stuff in New York now is like super slow. Like all the government mm-hmm. systems, like getting a tag for your if you have a car or and just regular stuff is just so slow right now and this this person's five degree chess thing is that cuomo has made it intentionally slow so that if biden wins the election then he'll just then he'll just like speed everything back up and then be like oh look it's so much better and then he's gonna like vie for like senate you know uh presidency someday mm-hmm. cuomo might try and push up to that what do you think about that what do you think about cuomo and his political moves. Oh, he's going to try and become president. You really point, think sure. he will? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. How old he is Cuomo? He doesn't understand, uh, like, in his 60s, I guess. His brother is younger than him. He's on TV. I think he's, like, in his 50s. Oh, Rivers Cuomo, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's 62, yeah. 62. Wow. 
I think he'll try to be president. He doesn't understand that uh, we hate him and America hates New York. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like the worst idea ever. Like we liked New York for five minutes after nine eleven, when we were yeah. like, we were like, yeah, New York's strong, America. Yeah, and after that, right back to hating him. So yeah, we I mean, he's still kind of New dick. York. We're always like, you know. You come to America, you got to go to New York City to really test yourself. But we don't actually like it at all. Greatest city in the world, baby! Yeah. But actually not. Fuck them. Yeah, it's so weird. And I think that, like, Giuliani, you know, tried to run for president and he fucking sucked. Fucking failed and, and immediately. It's just like, New Yorkers don't win because we don't like them. Like, you had to come from some other, like, I, I, I what we're going Donald Trump won. Yeah, I would I don't. I don't think he follows New Yorker stereotypes though, because he's just he just he's just part of that that uber wealthy class that just isn't from mm. anywhere. They're just from money. They, you know, they're not they're yeah. not actually geographically entrenched. Also, he appeals to the opposite of what they would stereotype as New York values. You yeah. know, like I mean, New York didn't vote for him, so no, of course not. He had a he had a project to try and get like he they called it said they called it Operation Duchess. They're gonna try and get New York to vote for Trump. It failed horribly, obviously. Um, but hey, yeah, I'll give him Trump this. At least he had a vote. fucking plan to try and win a state. He didn't didn't fucking chance in. I'm not the Democrats. Yeah, <laughs> didn't even fucking try. Yeah, but I think Cuomo is like banking on his coronavirus response to be his thing, but he fucked it up really badly, and so. Who knows? He might be actually stuck as governor from now on. Yeah. I mean, it's like, at this point, there's not any American politician who can try and get some positive credit off of COVID. Because even if you did your best, everyone else did so shitty, it doesn't matter. Like, there are countries, like Australia today, uh, announced they have, like, zero community board cases as of this week. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're nowhere fucking close to that. Did you fucking... uh, There's going to be a spike... Because of Halloween. I mean, people yeah. mm-hmm. I saw on the internet who were going to hundreds of people Halloween parties. No medical masks there were. Halloween masks. But those don't really work. Right. Um, just open, just huge closed buildings just full of people. And yeah, yeah there's going to be a spike for sure. Because we're fucking well, stupid. On Friday, the day before fucking Halloween, America for the first time hit 100,000 new cases in a single day. Yep. It's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. And there's this there's this magical theory I love. People are like, day after the election, COVID's gone. Sorry yeah. to tell you this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that every other country in the fucking world cared so much about our election, they just went along with this whole fake virus thing. You fucking yeah, idiots. Exactly. I just don't even understand what the point of that is. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand I mean, who benefited. Like, I guess you could say that Biden's chances were increased by COVID, but I would say that is marginal at best. I think that Biden's chances were only increased by COVID because Trump fucked up so yeah. bad. If Trump had actually handled this situation... I can't picture a world where he did, but let's let's imagine somehow he did handle it well. I mean, the easiest fucking answer was last month he should have done economic stimulus. Yeah. And he should have called it the fucking Trump American America for Life stimulus package vote Trump 2020. That's what they, that's what it should have come in on the check is that word. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been a, a fucking end of the election right there. But couldn't yeah. even do that. 
Well, it turns out Mitch McConnell has kind of cut Trump loose at this point. He's not giving more money from the RNC to for his own ads. Uh, it's all Trump's personal campaign money now. Uh, and he's not helping him anymore. Mitch McConnell, I think, I think Mitch McConnell is banking on Biden winning. I think really? Mitch McConnell, oh yeah, I think he is ready to get right back to his favorite role, which is blocking everything the other side tries to do. And just smiling the whole time. Because yeah. that's where he really has power. It's just preventing everything from happening. I think Mitch McConnell is ready for a Democrat to be back in office again so he can just like sit back, shit everything they do, and win again in two, four years. Yeah, we gotta get rid of Mitch McConnell. It's not just one of the well, worst he might, guys. He might get rid of himself, Seth. Have you seen his hands? No. About 18% of my brain power at any given time is devoted to thinking about Mitch McConnell's hands. But he has black hands, Seth. His hands are black and purple. Well, there's an article that says, Why are Mitch McConnell's hands blue? They I, are. I do not see blue. Yes! Dude, he looks like a, like a Star Trek character. He does! Um... They were like showing pictures of his neck, where it's also coming up like under his collar. You can see like like purple and black under there. Apparently, he hasn't got a heart condition that he's putting off getting surgery on until after the election. Yeah. Uh, here's an interesting. I'm just I was looking at an article about his hands. Some person I'm not sure who this person is. John Bresnahan, mm-hmm. um, who <laughs> specializes in. Um, haranguing old Hands. old senators about their mortality, <laughs> and he he asks he asks McConnell. He's like, everyone's talking about your hands. Is something going on? You want to know how McConnell responds? He Boy, says, "I've been worried about your health. How are you feeling?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate the guy, but what a two hundred IQ move right there, man. <laughs> What an incredible comeback. And that's the conversation just ends. He's just like, I'm feeling okay. And he's like, good for you. That's it. That's the whole conversation. What the fuck? It's like a fucking, like a, like a, like a, a Japanese wrestling suplex. Yeah. It went like eight different ways. <laughs> so, yeah, when I saw the picture of his hands, I thought they were photoshopped. I was like, that, surely that can't be real. But they were. And I just like, my mind has just been like in the background constantly churning through like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. So he might die. That'd be pretty funny. Uh, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting regardless because win or lose for Mitch McConnell, he, he wins. Like, no matter which, which, which party wins. He's got three justices on the bench, 6-3 majority for the rest of our lives. He stacked the, the federal judiciary with Heritage Foundation ghouls as far as the eye can see. He pretty much has won. Yeah. He can just sit back and relax. Yeah, it's weird to think that a man who has the... The faculties of Mitch McConnell is just running the getting running the table for us, but he did it. Yep, yep. It's pretty crazy how this whole thing has worked out. But uh, <clears throat> so off from from politics. Well, this is still political. This is not uh, electoral politics. Everything's right? political. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about CD Projekt Red for a second again. We have to keep. We have this. to talk about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven being developed by about- CD Projekt Red. How about that investor call, Seth? Or what was a shareholders yeah, meeting? Yeah, shareholders like meeting. So um, I'm going to paraphrase a bit here, but basically, as we all know, we've talked about it, we've read about it. The City Project Red went back on their promise to give their employees no crunch time um, during the, the development of Cyberpunk 2077, and for 
what was six weeks and now has become nine weeks. They're like, okay, you have to crunch. Um, and apparently, for some reason, the stockholders, I guess the, I guess the stakeholders were concerned because of the press that was out there about it. So they mm-hmm. asked the CEO, uh, co-CEO, about this. And in a paraphrased version, he was like, he's like, it's not that bad. What do you, it's mostly just our QA guys. It's a couple, a develop, one developer maybe is like hanging out in the back. And that's just it. It's, it's, it's nowhere near as blown out as the media would like for you to think. So don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, weirdly enough, the employees of CD Projekt Red did not like their last minute painstaking efforts to be belittled like that in a stakeholders call so then he had to make a company email that's like i'm so sorry for what i said um i didn't even mean it it was it i yeah it just i it wasn't me i didn't mean to say those things um he's like i was he's like oh no he said he said they weren't even supposed to ask me about that so when they yeah. did i got flustered and I'm like, what do you mean <laughs> that the stakeholders aren't allowed to ask you a question <laughs> what do you mean yeah um, and then he's like, I'm sorry, we appreciate all your work. Please keep working for us. Please, please, please do not stop. We need this game. Please stop. Please don't stop. We need you. We love you, please. Um, and it's hilarious. It's so, it's so funny to me how that's, the, that's just the end. It's like the CEO can say whatever he wants to the money men, and then he, just anything, wild claims that are not true at all, and then all he has to do is say, sorry, I, I didn't really mean to say those things. Get back to work. You know, it, it's so weird to me that that's how we, we how about, die. How about the postscript here where he says, if anyone wants to talk to me directly, I'm on, I'm in the boardroom on the first floor and on Slack. Which is basically saying, so do you want to get fired? Because yeah, you're going to Basically say, don't fucking talk to me. <laughs> okay? Yes. I, I, I will, I am in the building and I will hurt you. That's like the idiot detector. Like, if you come talk to him about this, you you deserve to get fired because you fucked up so yeah, bad. But honestly, I, I I hope many employees went and talked to him when they could stop working at such a shitty company. I hope they came to talk to him with machetes yeah. to reenact the Haitian Revolution. Now see, that was, again, this is straight um, the numbers. What if every fucking employee went to the first floor? You know? Oh, like, so, like some kind of unity of employees? Yeah. Some kind of like unified front? Yeah, I'd say like a collective way to bargain for what uh-huh. you deserve. Yeah, um, that could work, I think. Shit, I was on trials before, Seth. I know, man. Also, it shouldn't <laughs> even be, in my opinion, it shouldn't be called collective bargaining. It should be collective we get what we want because we do the work. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be a bargain in it at all. It, you should yeah. run the table. You really should. Uh, but yeah, it's like this... this it's like they're trying to do everything in their power to get me to not want to play their game. And I, I'm still going to play it. I'm sorry. I understand the boycotts, and I get the whole, like, why you ethically shouldn't buy it. But I'm going to play it because I enjoy critiquing culture, and this is going to be, like, in terms of video games, the biggest cultural event in years, probably, for any things to talk about. So yeah. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it. I'm going to Because I, w- I want to discuss it with people and, and critique it exactly. more than likely. Exactly. It's why I have to watch every fucking movie and I have to keep up with all the TV shows because I just got to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. I have to know. And I'm obviously, I want to play Cyberpunk just like everybody else. Um, like, I wasn't going to buy and play uh, Last of Us 2. And look what happened there. Yeah, same I thing mean, happened. Same thing happened to me. I ended up buying it. I talked shit about it for so long because of spoilers. And I was like, well, I got to buy it. Yeah. And I got I to gotta at least put a money in my mouth is so I can talk about it, you know? Yeah. And that sucks. I wish I, I, wish I could just make fun of something and never even fucking watch it. You know, I fucking hate that. 
There's so many movies yeah. that I, I know I'm, I, I, I hate them, and then I see them, and I hate them still. And I'm like, why did I have to see the seeing part? Yeah. Like, I'm never, yeah, I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to watch Justice League, no matter if Joss Whedon or Zack Snyder makes it. I'm never going to watch it. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I hate it. <laughs> okay? I'm sorry. I, and I, once again, I'm completely hypocrite because I think you should always see something before you critique it. But my God, mm. I could not care less about that shitty fucking movie. There have been times when I, my finger has hovered over the rent, the, like the rent button, or watched on on HBO, and then I just move on. I'm like, I mean, my life is too short. Wait for the five part Snyder cut to come out, dude. Come on, Probably, that that's yeah. when you're really gonna want to dig in. Like there are times that I'll sit at, in, on the couch and just stare off into space for two and a half hours and think yeah. about, like, you know, centaurs the whole time. And that was a better use of my time than watching Justice League. Yeah. I am talk- I'm talking a lot of shit about it. And I don't even know how, why we're talking about Justice League. But I, I am genuinely curious because of the fact that the people on the fucking internet begged for the Snyder Cut so much that, one, they are going to release a Snyder Cut on HBO Max, and, two, they spent $70 million on reshoots to make his cut work. I'm like, at that point, they are almost forcing me to watch it because I have to know if it's all worth it in the end. But it wouldn't even be worth watching unless you've watched the original cut first to compare it to. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry, I'm not going to watch... I'm not watching either one because I'm not putting any money into either thing or time to watch either one of those things. But it's like every two or three weeks, I see a new story about how, oh, they brought this actor back to do more reshoots. So I'm like, are they ever going to finish reshooting the fucking film? Yeah. Would it ever be done? Like, they, like I think like three days ago, I was like, oh, J- Joe Manganiello is in here now to play fucking Deathstroke. And I'm like, when? When will it be done? It's supposed to release, I think, January. It's supposed to be there when they release the, the cut on HBO Max. So... Hey, I, I don't know. Why are we talking about Justice League? I don't. I have no clue. release Dune first, you fuckers. Yes. Release release Dune. Give it to me, and give me the Villeneuve cut when it's done. Yeah. Give me give me more yeah. footage, raw footage. I don't care. Don't even put special mm-hmm. effects on it. Just give me the movie. Yeah, for sure. I would. I would. You know what? I would love to just like in a world. Yes. In a world. Yeah. Where they have completed both halves of Dune, I would watch the smash together like seven and a half hour version yeah, of that movie. No, like, no yes. doubt. I would do it if I, even if I was busy on like a Tuesday night, I would do that. No doubt. Yeah. Give me a little a cup to piss in, and I'll just sit there and watch the whole goddamn movie. Exactly. I'm, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I finally started reading Dune exactly. sequels. Finally. Oh. And they're weird. How do you? But, how do you feel about it? Uh. I think it's interesting that the one right after Dune, uh, Dune Messiah, which is kind of the shortest of them all, it's basically, it, it's it's basically just about. By the way, don't worship Paul Atreides because everyone has flaws, you know. Um, yeah. I think it's a, it's a cool message. Um, it's something we kind of we kind of talk about today a lot. Is you know just because somebody is, you know, perceived as good or is the main character does not make them technically a good guy, and you should like worship them. So. That's inter- it was interesting how the, the book has a has a foreword by his son Brian Herbert, who mm-hmm. it basically he just he says all that he's like yeah this this book is basically about how Paul isn't the good guy people didn't like that back in the sixties and he's like he's like but these days people are gonna like it by the way this book is good you should like this book too because it's good <laughs> and I'm like yeah. I'm like it might be a good book but you keep telling me it's good so I'm not sure if it's gonna be. <laughs> 
You doth protest too much. Yeah. Um, and he, he in there, he, he compares Paul Atreides to both John F. Kennedy and Adolf Hitler. Um, he, uh, he talks about all of his father's opinions about politicians, and he said he did have an interesting... Uh, Frank Herbert had an interesting opinion that Watergate, uh, or that Ronald Reagan, or Nixon, sorry, trying to hide Watergate was the best thing that's ever happened to the American people because it disillusioned us that our politicians are actually good. I can see that. And he, he said that was the best thing that's ever happened to American politics. And I'm like, Frank Herbert, come on the podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, man, get up in here. Get back alive. Let's talk to him. You know, Seth, for a long time I had a real problem in my life, and it was that at a very young age I watched the movie Forrest Gump. Yeah. And I thought that that shit was what had happened. So I thought that this one guy was present for, like, all the major events of the 20th century and that he was the guy who saw the Watergate break in and called it in to the police. (laughs) It was very disturbing to learn that's not actually true and Forrest Gump did not actually exist. Yeah, people are doing a a big reevaluation of Forrest Gump these days. Basically, they're asking the question, is it a good movie? And two, could it ever be made today? No. I think, I, I I still think Forrest Gump is a good movie at the end of the day. Yeah. I think it's very good. But I do not think it would ever get made after maybe five years after it came out. Probably never again are we going to have that opportunity. No, no, uh-uh. No, okay, so I'll just, I'll just put you there for one thing. Uh-huh. That we couldn't have been made until, I'm going to say, uh, 2016. Because that was when America suddenly discovered, like, oh my god, We've been, we did, everything's so bad, we can't say things anymore. Like, and you look back at, like, 2012 jokes people were making, and you're like, holy shit, how that was okay. Yeah. Um, that is something interesting. People, we do, we do kind of talk about, oh, you could never do that these days. And I'm like, maybe you could, though. There's yeah. something, people, I, recently people talk about the Austin Powers movies, how you could, like, never do those these days. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. I think that... Minus some of the, like, maybe, like, homophobic stuff, it, it, you can kind of make those movies. I, I saw someone saying something I thought was pretty uh, pretty important. I can't remember who it was. But somebody said that the thing that Biden will change about America is that you can make Tropic Thunder again. Mm. Because I watched it again recently, and you could not make that today. Yeah, that movie is amazing. It, it's yeah. so funny. And in the same vein as Forrest Gump, it's, like, a great movie that past four years, you wouldn't see that shit anywhere, you know? Nope. Um, Couldn't be done. It would, if it got made, it would have the same budget as that Loquisha movie, you know? It would be, it would be on that level of, well, you really, this shouldn't have been made. Right, exactly. Um, speaking of movies that should not be made, I saw the first COVID movie trailer. The, the Michael Songbird. Bay. Produced by Michael yeah. Bay. I'm not, sure, not sure who's directing it. Um, got some. I saw Craig Robinson in the trailer. That was of course. Guy, I haven't seen him around in a while. But Seth, the whole premise of the film is that it's 2024, and we've been in four years of lockdown. COVID has mutated, and I'm like, excuse me, you can't have been in lockdown for four years. We didn't start lockdown to begin with. Yeah, we we had a lockdown for about a week less. It's like Peter Stormare's in it. It's all like dystopian, like you're locked in your apartment and you can't leave unless you're immune. It's killed millions of people worldwide. And it's like, it used to be back in the day that we waited a couple of years till after a disaster happened to make a movie about it. Yeah. 
Now we're making a movie during it, and the funny thing is making a movie during this one is dangerous in itself. You know? Yeah. What's really funny to me is that this is the equivalent of making a movie about the Hindenburg disaster while it's still burning. Like, you have the you have pointed the camera at the burning wreckage of the Hindenburg disaster, yeah. and you're like, what if it was worse? Exactly. What if it was twice as big? And you watch a documentary about a movie like Apocalypse Now, or one of the most famous mm-hmm. documentaries about a movie ever. And you're like, these brave souls, fear they, they went through all this work, they put... They made this movie over months and months and months, and even then, it wasn't ready yet. And these guys have already written, directed, casted, and filmed most of a COVID pandemic movie. And it's like, what is the turnaround? How on earth? I couldn't even write a script in the time since pandemic started. No good script is written in that time, unless you're a really good writer, which I promise you there's not a really good writer on this movie. When was the first case of COVID? Like, literally November 2019, right? Like, yeah. this and month. The, time, the first time I got into America, well, quotes, got to America was, like, like end of February. Yeah. And there's already a fucking movie. What? About, what if it gets worse? We don't even see how bad it's going to be now. Exactly. I mean, this movie might end up being the most optimistic film ever. <laughs> yeah. To make another uh, comparison, it's like making me like 9-11 after only the first tower's been hit. And you're like, man, that was bad. Holy shit. Can you imagine that turnaround? Like, like, you make a movie in like 19 <laughs> minutes? Yes. You're like, man, that one tower coming down, that was the worst thing ever. And then like, all of a sudden. Yeah, at the premiere of the movie, the other one's going down. It's like, shit, fuck. I totally fucked up today. Oh, my God. So, uh, Seth. Yes. I've been playing a video game recently that is not Ghost of Tsushima, but I've been playing that a little bit still. Okay. I picked up Watch Dogs 3. Watch Dogs Legion. I refuse to call it that. Really? Uh, yes, it's a third Watch Dogs game. It'll be recognized as such. Uh, so, for folks who don't know, Watch Dogs is kind of a game about playing like a, a, a badass script kitty who, like, can like you know hack You're things with their magic cell phone. You can hack yeah. anything. You yeah, can yeah, hack yeah. a dog. And <laughs> you probably can in this one. Uh, the first game you played is this guy Aiden Pierce. He was a real piece of shit. No one liked. Yeah, it's him. the Watch Dogs one is boring. Yeah. Also, did you did you ever play it, Seth? I played uh, until I got bored. I played like four or five hours of Watch Dogs one. In that game, you're like out to avenge the death of Aiden Pierce's niece, right? But every time you interact with her mom, your your character's sister, it's like weird ex-wife yeah. vibes. I, I feel like they might have rewritten the game at one point. And this was supposed this yeah. was supposed to be ex-wife, you know, maybe a strange lover kind of stuff. It was it was not supposed to be brother-sister. It came out during a time where a lot of things were about a guy being mad that his daughter had died. So they thought, oh, we'll change it up. And I'm like, dude, dead niece is not better. It's not different, really. Yeah, you didn't really change much. It's just the level of relationship. <laughs> yeah. So, and then in uh, Watch Dogs 2, we got a much better guy. Marcus Holloway. Very funny, dude. The, the ultimate mascot for this podcast. Is he? Because he's Marcus. Uh, right, of course. Uh, he was a fun guy. I love the cast of Watch Dogs 2. It was a crazy turnaround. It was like, oh, all grim and gritty in Chicago. And then San Francisco, it's all nice. Yeah, it's uh, so time. stark. It went from like, it, it went, it, it went from like Grand Theft Auto to Saints Row in like yeah. two games. 
and you were like fighting tech, like you know Silicon Valley tech shitheads and like Google dudes. It felt good. Like it was actually a pretty good game. Yeah. And in this third one, the premise is unique, I think, in most games of this caliber or, or of this level of complexity, which is that anyone in the game could be the player character because you can recruit anyone you see in the game. Even your enemies can be recruited if you if you try hard enough. Um, when the game starts off, you play as like dollar store James Bond. You're helping them prevent Parliament from being blown up, and it turns out some other bombs go off across city. V from Dead style. This guy gets killed, and DeadSec, the hacker organization, has been dismantled. And you pick a random guy. I picked a Russian tattooed ex ex union guy, and has a wrench, and I built up a, a team of people. And it's actually, I gotta say, it's not quite there. Uh, it's not all the way there. But each of these characters has lines and a voice actor, and they have cutscenes where those guys talk to one another. And it's a pretty kind of a minor technical feat that it sounds as good as it does. The timing is off a little bit in some cases, but it's actually pretty wild how close that's it is. I, that's, I've not heard that about the game. I did, I did not know that was a feature. That's kind of cool. It did crash on me five minutes of the game the first time I played it, uh, and I crashed again recently, and I got mad. Because uh, I'm going to say one thing, and I know, like, when it comes to the budget of a game, if you're a low-budget game, you can't really help this, because I understand that it's hard on people. But I love voice acting. I think it's mm-hmm. so cool, and it adds so much to a game. And if you have the budget, and you can get the voice actors, and make make, make even side characters, even small people have fleshed out voices it is so cool i like i always listen to voice lines i agree i agree with that and it's pretty amazing how well it works out in this game i'm I'm actually very impressed there's like there's one or two characters who are uh, so far i've met that are like story characters like they exist no matter what but the rest of them are just like generic people you can fill out but they have voice voice lines and it's like a pretty impressive array so far, so I'll give I'll give the game credit for that. That's nice. nice. I will say this though, there is a problem with the game, and that it's that it's set in London, and all these people Uh-oh. drive on Trigger the wrong warning. side of the fucking road, <laughs> and I keep getting into head-on collisions with cars. Yeah, and they also they all talk very funny, and I feel give me a minute here, I can just, uh, replicate sort of the the sound that I hear Uh-oh. in the game. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I know that people hate, hate my British accent. Um, but it's like, it's, it's, uh, there are some problems. Uh, the, the, the driving can, can feel a little stiff at times, and it won't feel like you're, you're quite controlling the way you want to. The shooting is, leaves something to desire. Mostly I just, I just like, knock people out from behind, so not a big deal with the shooting so far. Um, but overall, I would say if you just like sneaking around and like doing weird little computer puzzles and, and, and getting into shenanigans, pretty good game. Nice. I did have one fun moment where you could drive around, you can like see people to recruit, right? And I came across these like private security dudes who were beating up people in the street. And I, I scanned one of them and it was like, oh, this is your character's dad. Like that's my character that I'm playing at currently. It's his dad. And so I beat up the cop and rescued them. And as I was driving away, the cops were coming, and I backed into my character's dad. <laughs> Didn't kill him, but definitely took him off his yeah. feet. So Isn't that funny that you're driving around. I was like, "Hey, that's dad. This right, this yeah. So what's the guy I used to play catch with when I was growing up? You know, he's getting the shit kicked yeah, out of him by a cop. Fucking run over, and then he got run over. 
It was actually pretty funny. There, You can hack all the cars in the game to make them go like whatever direction you want. It's always funny to run over the cops their own car while they're standing in front of it. <laughs> So if you if you like if you like uh, Ubisoft open world shenanigans, pretty good game. I recommend that's it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's the thing is I think that Ubisoft got in, they got so like almost I can't remember. There's like a term for it when you get cursed by your own success because like how big Assassin's Creed got, mm-hmm. and then it was just like all they were doing is like all their games were Assassin's Creed. That's kind of why Watch Dogs One was kind of weird because it was like let's throw all these features onto a game that's kind of Assassin's Creed already, and then Watch Dogs Two they kind of moved off of that. Um, so that's why I think their games, like, for a while they got in a big lull where it was like, we're just gonna, we're, we're just, you know, um, Tom Clancy and then we're fucking Assassin's Creed. And obviously they're still making Assassin's Creed and they've, for good or bad, they've changed it to have this new gear system and all this, like, all these RPG elements. Um, but yeah, I think that they, they can turn in a good product, but it's just like, they, they just get into such, they just get into these, like, waves of doing the same shit over and over. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched the the Assassin's Creed Valhalla stuff, and I'm like, I just don't. Yeah, I'm don't I'm not like impressed. It. I um, I haven't been impressed by Assassin's Creed in a really long time. Um, I mean, its peaks are, in my opinion, some of the peaks of gaming. Like Assassin's Creed Two is probably still in my top five favorite games. Um, yeah. But its valleys are the val- The thing for me is their valleys. It's just like they're making incredibly mediocre games to the point where it's like it's so hard like i don't even want to play them like i tried to play was it unity is that one even one of the names of the games i think so and i was just like this is just boring to me like it's not yeah. poorly made it's obviously made by a company that's a lot of money but it just there was nothing grabbing me i'd rather play something you know different the last one i really liked was syndicate and even then i still stopped playing halfway in because i was like i've seen enough like yeah, I bought it for like thirty bucks. I've seen, I've got my, you know, my whole uh, worth out of this. That's fair. But uh, so yeah, I uh, I'm playing that a little bit. Just trying to trying to enjoy that. I'll I'll also throw out some recommendations here uh, for my my fans out there of sci-fi stuff. Uh, Star Trek uh, Discovery season three. Guess what, folks? The show's good now. Uh, it only took two seasons over here. Um, I'll say season one was bad. Season two had some good moments. I liked I liked some of the sci-fi adventure stuff happening there. But season three, now, finally, we've reached it. It's now a show. Yes, this is good. Now, some people will be quick to point out that every Star Trek season has a bad... Their first season is bad. I'll admit that, yes. TNG, season one, very bad. Yeah. Uh, DS9, bad except for Duet, which was a, probably one of my top five episodes of Trek ever. Uh, Discovery also rocky, so maybe par for the course. I don't know, but season three is good. Also, lower decks animated show very fun as well. Really enjoying that. Uh, Fargo is killing it this season. Um, I'm, I'm yes. really enjoying it. Loving the hell out of Fargo. And uh, I just recently rewatched all the Scream movies. And oh. I gotta say, maybe my favorite horror franchise. Like all of them, all of them. One, two, three, and four. Yes. Oh wow! Okay, I've only I've only ever seen one and two. I believe I didn't see three. Or really? Four. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, they they it's 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 interesting to me because it's the only horror franchise where Wes, Wes Craven, until he died, got to direct every single movie. Um, he mm. got he got full creative control over um, those movies, and I thought that was really cool because I think Wes Craven. If you look at Wes Craven's IMDb, you were like, this man does not miss. 
I mean, he he made he just he and from his first movie like Hills Have Eyes thing like his first movie or Last House on the Left whatever and then he just makes every fucking good movie from then on. He made the first Nightmare on Elm Street. He missed all, there's still good ones in the middle, but he missed all those and then made New Nightmare. And then yeah. he just fucking made the screen movies, which were basically making fun of how the Nightmare on Elm Street movies developed. He just the whole mm-hmm. series is just making fun of his own series he started. I think John Carpenter's like that too. To yeah, miss, yeah. John Carpenter is a murderer's row of uh, IMDb credits. I ask you this: So you saw those Scream movies? Was is Scream Three the one where a previous victim is the, turns out to be the killer and he's recreated it all, like because he wants to like I, I I can't remember what it is, but it's like a previous victim becomes or near victim, you know, the guy who was involved. Is that, is that that one? No. Or is that four? Because I may have seen that. I, I know I definitely saw a screen movie where it turns out that the killer is a victim from the past. Or a, a near victim. Well, that's never happened in a screen movie. Really? Um, in the third one, the killer... I'm not going to spoil it because I think you should watch them. Yeah, the killer was never a sus- was never like a victim. He has a relation to the main character that was not discussed in any of the other movies. And then in the fourth one, kind of the same thing happens. It's one, char- one character who has a relation to the main character and then another just rando who got sucked into it because he's a fucking idiot. Um, yeah, there's... And then, I mean, the second one has the the killer from the first one's mom be mm. one of the killers. Um, but yeah, never uh, never, a vic- never a victim of an old one. Um, I'm not thinking of it because there's like... I just simply remember a scene where everyone's like, holy shit, it was this guy the whole time. And he's like ranting about like, following movie rules and whatnot. But it's not the first one, obviously, but it's, like, it's continuing that same theme. Yeah, no. Like, I mean, all, pretty much all the villains in the movies have a big rant about movie rules because that's just, like, the whole point right. of the fucking movies. Um, but, yeah, no, the second one... I mean, the first one is the most famous rant, you know? Of Scary movies don't make psychos. They just make psychos more creative. The second one is Timothy Oliphant just being, like... I'm spoiling the, the, the Scream franchise here. Um, a second one. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant is... T- just something we don't discuss enough in society, complete spoilers here, is that Timothy Oliphant is one of the killers in Scream 2, and the other one is Laurie Metcalf, and she is the ringleader. What? She's controlling him because he wants... His whole grand scheme is that he wants to recreate these murders from the first movie. And then he's when he, he's gonna let himself get arrested, and then he's gonna use this defense in court of oh the movies made me do it, and he's gonna get a bunch of like like Christians, all these like Republicans to fund his his court cases, and then become a a, a free man off of that. Um, and Laurie Metcalf, she is the the victim from the first movie, or not the victim, the killer from the first movie's mom, and she's she's yeah. just like she 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 kills him at the end. She's like this guy's stupid. That's never gonna work. Um, and then she's like the ringleader. And we don't talk about that enough at all. That Laurie Metcalf and Timothy Oliphant are the killers in Scream 2. I, I can't believe Timothy Oliphant's in that movie. Holy shit. Yep, he plays a fuck, He plays I, a movie nerd. Just like all the villains. Wow, that's that's wild. Because think about Timothy Oliphant and yeah. who he plays today. And, he, and he, just, he, lo- he just looks like younger dude. It's not like he like used to look dumb. No, he's just a tall, handsome guy. But just... In, cl- in college class with Jamie Kennedy talking about Star Wars. Jamie Kennedy. Remember Jamie Kennedy. Yep. Holy shit, dude. 
the wasteland of American culture contains some incredible ruins, some monuments overturned by time and wind. And Jamie Kennedy is one of the biggest. He, ones. he was there. He was he was at the epicenter of our culture for a little bit, and then we just kind of <laughs> forgot. Can you imagine the Parthenon that is devoted to jackass that exists out there in those those ruined parts of the world of culture? Yeah, man. The jackass guy. Jackass was a. Was a they still get it. I mean, pe- people, people, they, they come on the internet. People are like, I fucking love Jackass. Still, they're like, I still oh, yeah. watch them, and it's so they part of my childhood. Yeah, it's hilarious stuff. But yeah, it's like tell a tell a kid these days about Jackass, they wouldn't even know. It's just like so past, you know. I think if you, in the future when we watch Jackass and like when it's like living in like Star Trek times, we'll look back and we'll be like, hey guys, listen, this is all fun and games, but remember. Back then, medicine cost money, yeah. and it turned into a horror series yeah. now. It's like, what you, you don't understand is that these guys, they were the bravest men in the world. <laughs> we built statues to them in the years 2070. Yes. These are guys are basically the in, in between the uh, original astronauts and the astronauts from the 2060s. These guys yeah. were pioneering the future of like pushing yourself to the limits. Alien children will be like, wait a minute, what happened to Johnny Knoxville? We're like, we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's There's bad kids like, like, doing their Pledge of Allegiance, and they're like, we, we will always respect Bam Margera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, dude. Oh. I just... All fucking right. Christ. About screen movies right. enough. Yes, I think that is an episode of the podcast, actually. Yep. Uh, so the election is tomorrow. Uh, smoking if you got them. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go first. This time I'm Seth. Um, you can find me oh. on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kanazeras, K-Y-N-A-Z-E-R-A-S. As discussed previously, I watched all the Scream movies um, this past week, and uh, I love them. I am Smith. You can find me on Twitter at MC Surf. Uh, our art was done by Marcus Barkley, who you can find uh, on Instagram at Mr.Beaches. And our theme song was done by Ben Powell. Um, he has his own podcast called Southern Smackdown where they talk about wrestling and they're both from the South. So if that sounds interesting, go check it out. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't even get under it. Uh, fuck the, the NBA owners. Um, we have stopped trying to solve our problems and are trying to outlive them. And from New Orleans to New York, Lassie Lean's podcast, baby. We're out. Out.